0: So this morning we're talking about, and, and Mike brought up a Psalm 51, which, is, which works very well in Psalm 51, in, in those verses, really amazing verses there, and, and something that we never have to cry. So, so David, David there, in Psalm 51 and verse 14, he was saying, deliver me from blood guiltiness. That's experience. That's talking about experience there. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, okay? Because in his understanding, okay, and obviously it was true, everything that God was doing to him, okay, was was based upon the eternal mind of God, but Christ hadn't yet come to actually do that. Now, it was done in God's mind without a doubt, and that's something we never have to pray for. Deliver me from blood guiltiness because of Romans 8, one. There is therefore now no condemnation and because what would bring condemnation? How do you condemn a criminal? He's guilty. He was found what? Guilty. So there's no guilt, and as a result of our position in Christ, there's no shame. And that's what he was praying. And, and so we know that, and he was basing it upon the mercy seat, kaporoth, its covering. So when we look at the mercy seat and when we begin to understand it and see it in its type in Exodus 25, 17 to 22, it covers, and that's what Job, many believe that Job even, you know, somehow was before even Moses or before his time. But Job said in Job 14, verse 17, "He, he he has put my iniquity in a bag. In other words, he's covering it So when we look at, for instance, in Micah 7, verse 18, where it says, Who is a God like you that passes by? In other words, he's not dealing with it. (laughs) He's not dealing with them after that. He's still dealing. He's passing it by because he knows that Christ, that bag that Job is talking about, that he's going to pass by and he's covering, okay, is what's going to be put on Christ on Calvary. And so... And that's why it says in Micah 7, and verse 19, he buries our sin in the sea, in the, in the depths of a sea. And that is, in that sense, God's forgetfulness. Not that he forgets that we have a past or these sins, but he doesn't treat us after it. Okay, Because for God not to know all things, I mean, when did he not know all things? You know, he, he wouldn't be who he is. So that does away with a lot of false teaching. You know, about certain uh, parts of God's nature that submit to each other, and, and, and so then God uh, then God will forget, <laughs> you know somehow mystically he forgets. He just doesn't treat us after it. So David, when he, when he cried that out, that's what his prayer was, and it was based upon the understanding of that being covered, you know and and, and so again, that was that was experience. Was it his position? Was God against him? No, I mean, God's against sin, but are we our sin? Us today, in, in, as part of his, his body, flesh and bones, Ephesians 5:30, his church that we are. And he said in the future, Jesus said in, in Matthew 16:18, "I will, future build my church. And all the accumulated powers of hell coming against it will not prevail. And that brings in the beauty of that whole chapter in Romans the 8th chapter 1 through 39. So Romans 8.1 begins with, there is therefore now con- no condemnation. And so 39 in that same chapter ends with, and 35 to 39, who will separate us? So if you can't condemn me in God's presence, can you separate me? Positionally, never. How about experientially? Oh, Boy, I got to tell you, that one It's very intense. How the enemy comes after the Christian. Let me get back to this thought. Okay, so 1 Peter 5, 6, it's saying this. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. What's that? Bringing you back up to think with him in your experience about your position. That's what it's saying. So the so God humbling us is His desire to what crush us? No, to exalt us. Where how He thinks about us, bring us up above, up above all those other things that have to do with with those things, with with those thoughts that aren't His. So, in other words, when I don't listen, when we you know when am I going to get? I'll say for me, when am I going to get this straight? Do I actually believe in that part where I am a dot, I functioned like other dots until God, until I received Christ and he encircled himself around me? And then whatever touches that dot has to go through the circle. Now, the circle is God. What, okay, so God, he does things arbitrarily or he does them in an ambiguous way Kind of cloudy, not so no, no. So the plan that God has for us, okay, involves the planner. If I don't like God's plan, what am I saying? I don't like God in this way. I don't want to be humbled. Saul was saying. Because that's what the plan teaches us, you know. But he the only way he can do that for us in our experience, based upon our position, is for what? It's to what? It's to bring us up in our experience. That's what he's doing. So that, that's what it was with with uh, David. And, he, and David had to learn. So, you know, we understand things and, and when we understand them in the proper way. Psalm 51 in its proper sequence was written before Psalm 32. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord does not impute sin and doesn't see. It was written that way because he understood that through, through the process of time and his experience and his growth. Why? Because that's what the plan was doing. You know, what is the plan? Okay, so if I have a plan, right? If I have a plan, I'm an architect, okay? And what I put on paper, that's not who I am? That's not my plan? So somehow the plan is different than the planner. So somehow the plan that God has for us doesn't involve his very nature, character, and essence. It most certainly does. And so, again, that's 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself under the mighty, powerful hand of God that he may exalt you in what? It it says due time. Now the due time there in First Peter 5, 6. And the due time there is when you finally say, you know what? He's got, he has taken care of everything the enemy would project me in fears and anxiety. Like somehow now what am I going to do? What are we, we going to do now? Let me ask you this. Where was we when God planned it all? <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> That's what we struggle with. We do. And, and that's the struggle. And so with that, you take James 4 and verse 17. When you take that, to him that knows to do good. Okay, what is where is good located? It's located in God. And when I don't trust him, do I experience the good that he is? Do I experience his very nature? I don't. Then I struggle. And then I resist. Remember what he said? That's what he said to uh to Saul. Before he actually did receive Christ there, he said to him, "It is hard for you to kick against the ox goats." Okay? Some believe in 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 over the years of study and all this, you know. Some believe and I believe he was approximately Saul there about 35 years of age. He was brought up in his Jewishness In the legal covenant. He was brought up that way. But God's whole plan for those 35 years was to bring him to Acts the ninth chapter. He didn't bring himself there. That's right. Sometimes we think we brought ourselves there, like it was our choice somehow. No, that was God. That was God. That was God that brought Saul there. He may thought, he may have thought that he was going there to bring back. You know, on the road to Damascus to get papers to bring back men and women to have them punished. He may have thought that, but was that God's plan? That might have been his, but was it God's? It wasn't. And what did he say to him, Paul? Saul, and this is what he, he would say to us in our growth it's hard for you to resist the kick against the ox goats. It's God directing me. And he does that through what? I mean, he. He does things arbitrarily. He doesn't have a plan. And that plan's not based upon his nature. You ain't got to begin. So that's what we fight. And you know how the enemy gets us to fight it? Details of life. You need this when you think you need it. And boy, if you don't get it, oh boy, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the irritation. Oh, and all that stuff will do, ultimately, when we get done blaming the circumstance or the situation or even others or the people, when we get done doing that, ultimately, who are we blaming if I believe I'm the dot and God's the circle? <laughs> what, God didn't have a plan for us before we were born? Well, let me see now. What does it say? Hmm. What did he say to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1, verse 5, before you were formed, I knew you. That's what he said. Oh, how did he know him? Okay, outside of of the very nature character of God himself, which was the formation of his plan? No. before Before I formed you in the belly, and before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you as a prophet to the nation. I mean that wasn't God's plan. How about acts 15:18 known unto God are all his works Does that is that his the working out of his plan? Yeah all his works from what? the beginning eternity it just happens just so happens in isaiah 57 15 He inhabits eternity with what with who he is <laughs> God's plan is Himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It just so happens that's who we have. That's who Christ gave us. He gave us the Father in John 20 and verse 17. Both the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit in John 14, 16, and 17. He did. They and they both did. He did. Father and Son. 14:26 of John. 15:26 of John and 16.7 of John. Both the Father and the Son both sent the Holy Spirit. Now, if they weren't one in the essence and carrying out of God's plan, if the Holy Spirit wasn't one, then he was less than God and he had to be sent. (laughs) So when it says in Acts 15.18, known unto God are all his works from the beginning, you know who God is. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's who we're going to resist because somehow now, you know, I liked his plan in the summer when everything was going good and all the needs were being met. Now it's winter and there's less. Did the, did the planner change? Do I know God after how I view my details and circumstances and situations? Is that how I should? And let me sit down and make a, listen, next time we sit down and make a plan, I don't care what it is, it it should involve a lot of prayer. You know, if we have a plan to sit down and go over certain things, you know, the first thing that the initiator, the the husband, the man should do is give himself to prayer, it says in Acts 6, verse 4. And that teaches dependence. Not to depend upon your own thoughts, not to depend upon your own thoughts based upon what you see you have and what you don't have. Because that's sight. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by sight. No. We walk by faith. In 2 Corinthians 4, 18, we're not to look at the things that are seen because the things that are seen are temporal. But the things that are not seen are eternal. And that's a fact. And we can only go by one or the other. So the enemy constantly is projecting imaginations against faith dependence upon God's plan. He's got a plan for us. And when it's not God's plan based upon his thought through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, then what do we have? We have what we think are our own plans. Well, now I got to do something. Really? You got to do something? Yep. Well, then that's your plan. And if you think it's your plan, where'd you get those thoughts from? If you didn't get them from God, where'd you get them from? Because we are not our own master. It says, it makes it crystal clear. It makes it crystal clear. In Matthew 6 and, and verse 22, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light but if your eye be evil your whole body will be filled with darkness and if the light that you think you have be in you be darkness how great is that darkness and then it goes right into 624. You cannot serve two what masses meaning you're never in control of yourself now positionally God's got us that's done but in my experience who's controlling me It's either God or the enemy. And I'll tell you, you know the way he uses it mostly to control our thinking? Matthew 6, 24 makes it clear. What is mammon? Anybody have an idea what mammon is? It's money. Money. What I can do, what I can't do, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. You know, the last time I checked in 1 Timothy 6, 9, You know, when you get involved with money too much, it pierces you through, With it says what? With many sorrows, many sorrows. Because even in our thinking, and I'm not talking about let's make a ton of money so we can be rich, but if if it takes over me, if it overtakes me and attaches itself to me, that's an inordinate affection attached to money is the root of all evil. Makes it very clear. Honestly, today. Today more than ever. More than ever. What do, listen, you think about it. What are most of our struggles dealing with? The details of life. Read Matthew, the sixth chapter, those 34 verses. Most of those struggles that we have, we begin to struggle. What do they have to do with details of life? What do details of life have to do with? Guess what? Money. Yeah, that's what it is. And so God comes in and He bring and, and He He humbles us. That's His plan. You know, it doesn't matter how much it, it matters not how much money we have. Or we think we have or we don't have. Because the fact of the matter is, this is the fact of the matter, is that all the gold and silver is his. I don't care what people think. That's what the Bible says. In Haggai 2.8, all the gold and silver is mine. And if you don't trust me, then what are you trusting in? If you don't have faith dependence in me, then what do you have? Okay, listen. When Christ does not possess us, then our possessions will possess us. Make that clear. And then we'll live to that. And then when they're met, I can be happy and everything is good. When they're not, oh boy, am I down and irritated and fearful and bothered. And I got to make a plan now. (laughs) Not that we shouldn't be accountable and responsible. But in that accountability and responsibility, if we're not resting in love, then is it love that's guiding us and protecting us. Psalm 50, verse 10, all the cattle on a thousand hills are his. And back then, that meant wealth. You check the book of Job. God took everything away from Job. Did he? Who took away everything from? Now, it was permissive, but who took it away? The enemy, Satan. He took everything away from Job. And Job, okay, and Job, and then you get counselors too, by the way. You'll get counselors that will begin to counsel you that this is a result of something in your life that you did or didn't do and all this, right? Job's three friends. He's got his three buddies counseling him and telling him why all this is happening, right? Were that, was that God's thought? Was that God's thoughts? No. Did you know, again, after the second chapter, you don't hear Satan anymore in person. You don't hear him. Why? You know why he's speaking through his three friends? Oh, boy. So important for husbands to take proper headship. For, for it truly is. And to be led by Christ, him and him alone. Because if not, remember in the garden in Genesis 3, 1-6, when Adam didn't submit to what he knew was true, Because he transgressed, listen, listen, this is very important. He transgressed, meaning he knew he shouldn't step over, but he did it anyway. In doing so, he submitted to Eve. He submitted to her deception. And that deception, when we don't have Christ, is greater than us. When he's not our experience, it's greater than us. Then the roles get reversed. It does. It's just what happens every single time, and that, because then because Eve counselled Adam, and not Christ. She said, "He said, she said, here, take this." Right now, in Adam not covering his wife. Then what happened? Job not covering his wife. You know what she eventually told him in Job 2.9, curse God and die. At least he had enough to say in Job 2.10. You're, a, you're, a, you're acting like the other foolish women that don't think properly. You know. But then was Satan done with him? No. He couldn't do it through his wife, so he raised up his three buddies, his three friends. Here, here's a plan for you. Here's a plan for you to get out of God's plan. Yeah, try that. You may change your location. You may change anything. It's not going to stop God's plan. You think you can escape? Can you escape God? Read the beautiful Psalm 139, especially 7, right through. Start at verse 7 and go right through to the end of the chapter. And that's talking about his plan for you while he was forming you in his womb. It was already planned before he even started forming you. God. I don't like God's plan, really. Okay. You don't like God's plan, yeah. The grass is always greener on the other side. Mm Mm-hmm, sure it is. Sure it is. Ha! And you think if God doesn't deal with, with those things in your life that you think are problems and he doesn't deal with them there, guess what you're going to take with you? Read Job, the 28th chapter. Try and outrun God, try and go on vacation, try and do a different, try all these things. And you know, all those things, creation, ocean, all those things that we worry about, which come from the earth, by the way, what's behind the dollar? Supposedly gold, right? (laughs) Yeah, have fun with that one. Yeah, right. (laughs) Boy. Economic collapse is the fourth cycle of discipline for a nation. Yeah, you don't think we're there already at the precipice? (laughs) If God isn't your all right now, my God, what are we going to face soon? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Fourth cycle of discipline is economic collapse. It is. Yeah, that's right. And then the fifth cycle of discipline is military takeover, loss of freedom. They're they're not experiencing that too much in China, North Korea, they're not. Ukraine, not not too much. Not too much right now, yep. But you know, just run. I'll tell you what, run and take all your gold and silver idols when, when it hits the fan. Because in Isaiah 2, verse 20, you know, when it finally hits the fan, they take all their gold and they run into a cave and they realize it's not doing them any good and they throw it to the bats and the moles. And what do they think of it? They don't think anything of it. But man does. Man does. The, the temptation is always to put the details ahead of Christ and bring him down into them. And now you think you have fellowship when you don't have it at all. No, because where your treasure is, in Matthew 6, verse 21, they were your heart. And the heart is where I treasure the most. The thing that I treasure the most is where I store it up. That's heart, mind. That's what I treasure the most. I'm gonna love you, God, freely now because you met what I, you met my financial need. You met all the details of life. Now I can be happy. Really, that's the source of your happiness? really? Ask the people in 1929 when the stock market crashed, when everything to them was their money and what they could hold on to when they were jumping out of buildings because it was over for them. (laughs) And they thought by committing suicide they were ending it. It was only their eternal beginning. Terrible. 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 So again, for us, Okay, you don't like God's plan, what are you saying? I don't like you, God, this way, I want you a different way. You know, the truth, The truth, and, I, and, and I'm thankful with you, by the way, not above you, not below you, but with you, I am very thankful with everyone here that we have the truth that we have. Seriously, that we have the option, the opportunity, the privilege, in Proverbs 23, 23, to buy the truth and sell it not. It's not sell it out. The truth there, that's Christ. Christ is the truth in John 1, verse 14. He's the grace and truth. You can't separate the two. Do you see how that works? Buy the truth and sell. Don't sell them out through worry. Through, you know what worry does? It betrays him who's our trust. Huh? Think about what we have. Okay, so Romans 14, happy is the man that condemns not himself. That's who we are in Christ. Did, you, did we know that? Even the things that we fail in and struggle, with, and we know we shouldn't, but we do it anyway. Does he, does he, is he against me at that point? Never. Happy is the man that condemns not himself. Why? Because Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Period, period. Happy is the man, the person that condemns, the person in Christ that condemns not himself and the thing that he allows that's even not of God. And how did you allow it? 14.23. And he that doubts. I don't think he's going to come through this time, boy. Ooh. Yeah. when did he not come through for us? When did he not? We have plenty of evidence, right? So He that doubts is damned if he eat. Is God damning him? Or is the enemy causing that person to oppose themselves by walking by sight and thinking they they need what they need when they think they should have it? When God's plan was formed before I was born. And that's true with Paul. He was ordained to be an apostle from his mother's womb and that's Galatians 1 and verse 15 and that's with Jeremiah 1 and verse 5. That's true about us. Everything about that is true about us. So what causes most of us to worry and to betray trust in him? It has to do with mammon and you cannot serve God you give give your mind over to god or give your mind over to money you cannot do it seriously and honestly i did for me personally and i can only talk for me personally i saw at a very young age people that had more money that they knew what to do with and some of them literally they were just as miserable as a poor person maybe even more so they were miserable and I saw it at a very young age, starting at 14 years of age. Multi-millionaires, people. No different than you and I when it's all said and done. You know, the gold and silver that we're taking off this earth, not found in the earth. No, it's found in Christ. He's the gold and silver. He's the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He's the treasure. He is. And again, God's plan is designed for you and me, personally, constantly, to bring us constantly to the end of us thinking apart from him. Self-help and self-hope. Or me looking to someone else. Right? Me looking to someone else. And again, when we even think about it, read James, the fourth chapter. Get up to the 13th and 14th verse. Well, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to plan this. I'm going to do all these things. Remember the guy in, in, in Luke, the Gospel of Luke? He said, I have so many such big barns right now to store all my stuff. I have so much stuff. I got to tear that barn down and build another one. I'm going to do it tomorrow. And you know, in the parable, Christ said to him, you fool, you self-confident fool, tomorrow your soul will be required of you. And then who's going to take that? Who are you going to leave it to? Read Psalm 39, those first five, six verses. Read it. Who are you going to leave your wealth to? You ain't taking it with you better word than ain't. You're not taking it with you. You're not. The only thing we take with us is Christ in this vessel, period. That's it. That's it. I mean, honestly. So his whole plan is designed to humble us. The, the truth that we have, my God, I, I'm dealing with a guy that I love very deeply, and sometime we'll in the future we'll get into these subjects. There are those that are called hyper-dispensationalists. They'll throw the whole Bible out and just take the Pauline epistles and that's all they have and they don't want to hear anything else. And in that teaching, they don't even, they they believe they're transformed but they're not born again. They'll make a big difference about that. John 3.3 is not even for us. What, What would we do without the book of Hebrews? What would we do without the Gospel of John? Well, how do I know how Christ walked the earth and all his glory without it? I don't need that. I mean, that doesn't teach me anything. And yet there's a guy that's so stuck in that, asking me to teach him. I show up and all he wants to do is teach me with this stuff. Finally, I had to cut it off and say, listen, I love you, period. I love you, but that is over. Don't do it again. It's over. But I love you and I'm available. Don't do it. And then you have the ultra ultra dispensationalists. Everything wasn't ours till after Acts 28. Those things are out there. They may not be in terms of words that you know, but all that teaching is out there. Covenant theology, lordship salvation, all of these different things that confuse us, can potentially confuse us. And they all have nothing to do with Christ. It's just amazing when you think about it, the truth that we have. So, getting back to that, and this is what makes it necessary, as we've said in any local assembly, in 1 John 2, 12 to 14, there are babes. Spiritual. They have Christ just as much, they just don't know it just yet, because they gotta grow. Then there's young men and women, obviously, young men. And then there's spiritual dads and spiritual mothers. There are those. But that's why it's necessary in the working out of God's plan in the local assembly. In 1 Peter 5.5, 5, it says, You younger, submit yourself to the elder. Did you know that there's another man that I that I deal with? And they they told him, they told him that that's this is the way it works: that finally they, the older men get so old the younger men have to take over and now lead. I don't know. Is that what 1 Peter 5.5 5 says? Well, to the hyper dispensationalists, that's not for them. Throw that all. Out. It's not for them. Wow, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility, and that's Christ, isn't it? Isn't that isn't that what humility is? Being putting on Christ as a garment. Oh, he was never humble his whole walk. With God in humanity, God in his humanity, he humbled himself. Why? Because he was a creation of God. He didn't create his own humanity. In that sense, he was created of God. In Luke 1::35, and in John 1 verse 14, that's the way it was. He didn't create himself. And to think that we can create our own circumstances and situations and plans is crazy. It's not thinking with God, it just isn't. It's walking by sight interpretation. So that, listen, if Christ, again, if Christ doesn't possess us in our thinking, if he's not my treasure, then my possessions possess me, I don't possess them, and that's attachments. The enemy knows the flesh in us far better than you and I, and he knows those lusts, those particular lusts. What are they? Well, that's, that's Galatia, that is that's Genesis 3, 6, and that's 1 John 2, verse 15 and 16. He speaks to the Christians. Notice where 1 John 2 leads up to. John 1, are you a believer there in Christ? Not according to the hyper Oh, the ultra-dispensationalist, because Paul didn't say it. By the way, Paul didn't say anything that Christ didn't speak through him. Let's get that one straight. I don't want to hear this Pauline doctrine. They make him more than Christ almost. It really irritates me. Okay, but I don't have to be irritated long because that's the flesh. (laughs) So, see? heck with that, see? I don't need this message. Everyone else does, right? But you follow it through, the second chapter of 1 John. It's all us. Then it goes into the three groups that are in any local assembly that are part of the one church in 1 John 2, 12 to 14. Then he speaks to them this, love not the world. What does the world do? What do they worry about? How much money I have, how much fee- food I have, where I can live, how I can pay my bills, I eat my pop. Love not the world. Stop it. It's a command of love. Love not the world. Don't make the, Don't use the world to make your plan. Don't pattern your plan after the world. You have a plan. It's called the planner. It's no different than his plan. First John two fifteen. Love not the world. Listen. Neither the things that are in the world. What are the? What causes you to worry? Well, if I don't have enough things. What are we going to do now, honey? See, I told you. (laughs) Told him what? Eve, what did you tell Adam? What did you tell him? Do flippy floppy? Forget flippy floppy. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. I'll tell you what trips up, seriously, especially young people, the things that are in the world. Now, the things in the world may not be bad on themselves, but when they take possession of you and not Christ, how bad are they? Just as evil as any other thing you could think of. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, and his thinking, in his mind, loving the world, and how do you love the world? You love your put yourself above God. You put yourself above Christ. You put yourself above the word. You put yourself above the body. Huh? That's called pride. And that's who us, And God resists, anti-Tasso resists the proud. Hooper us. But, dear, but he gives, he gives, is that grace again? More grace, my zona carry, to those Taipai Fosune, those that he's humbled, to bring you up in exalting and to show you that look, no matter what this is, no matter what this is, God has you. You mean to tell me that that God, through me receiving Christ, possessed me and now he's my possession? I have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Yes, because you possess Christ. And when you possess Christ, your possessions won't possess you and the enemy won't use them to attach himself to your lust patterns so that you don't even need Christ. You don't even need the word. I, I am amazed how the enemy can convince Christians how much word they need and how much they don't need. God. Well, the last time I checked in Isaiah 40, verse 8, Matthew 24, and verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away. Did we hear that? Will pass away in terms of, of it, it giving you Anything in in its pro, in appearance right now. We could go into that at a different time. With different scriptures and for instance in Isaiah 65:17, Isaiah 66:22 and 2 Peter 3:10 to 13. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my word will never pass away. Who's the word? In John 1, 1? it's Christ. Is he your possession? Yep. does he possess you in this area, in this circumstance, in this situation? Oh, if he doesn't possess you, he's not your guide experientially. Your circumstance and your situation will be your guide. Now what are we gonna do now, honey? <laughs> oh Lord, when are we gonna get that one? All of us straight, right? So God's plan, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and this is it. 1 Peter 5, 5. You younger, submit yourself to the elder. Yeah. And be clothed with humility. Why? Because that will protect you. God humbles you because he loves you. And that's the only protection we have is in God's love. It protects our mind. We have the mind of Christ now. We have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16. Or we have the mind of the flesh in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. The natural mind. The natural man in 1 Corinthians 2.15 with his plan receives not the things of God because they're foolishness unto him. Why? They're foolish. Because he doesn't see a way that he can meet them. Look where we are right now. Oh boy. Their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. What does that mean? You mean the Holy Spirit's gonna take the things of Christ and show it to you and me while we're living in pride, self-occupation, self-preservation the whole time? Not happening. You younger, submit yourself to the elder. It's not reversed at all. It's not reversed. You younger, submit yourself to the elder and be clothed with humility. Do old people then need to be clothed with humility? It brings it out crystal clear. We are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. That's Galatians 3, verse 26. But Galatians 3, verse 28, not are all equal in the operation of God's plan in the local assembly. And that makes it crystal clear. He never left it up to us to think on our own. He just didn't. Some, some like these hyper-dispensationalists and altars, They don't even need a local assembly. They're just ambassadors. Because that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.20. They're just ambassadors. They're not born again. They were transformed, but they weren't born again. God help us. It's so sad to me. It really is. It really is very, very sad. But we have this truth. But again, Proverbs 23.23, by the truth. By it. What does that mean, buy the truth and sell it not? What is Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 speaking of? Come you, without money, buy. You know what that means? Come and submit your will and receive the word. That's what it's talking about. Put the word of God ahead of everything. And stop making excuses why you can't do it. That God would have a plan to give you his word and then not implement it. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And that's why it's most important, really, and I agree with this. Thoroughly, Romans 10, 15 to 17, go right into face-to-face teaching. And then if you can't, if you can't, we have other ways to do it. But I think most of the time when people don't come, you think they're gonna take the time if they don't come come to listen to the messages that are recorded, I guarantee you they don't do it. Very little if they do it at all. And they wonder why I don't feel right, why I don't have peace, why I don't think right, why I think God's against me, why I think others are against me, why I think the messages they preach are against me, and all this nonsense. All this crazy nonsense. Where does all that thought life come from? Where does it come from? Well, it doesn't come from God. It doesn't. So again, 1 Peter 5, 6. Allow yourselves to be. You think God leaves up to us to humble ourselves? You think we do that? It wouldn't happen. Never. We'd never do it. But the only way to have our anxiety those fear you know there's no fear in love, anxious fear is there any fear in love in first john four eighteen is, is is there any fear in God who who in any in is there any fear in power love and a well disciplined mind second Timothy one seven you know the enemy you think about how sometimes plans Christians that are well taught formulate their plans. It's not based upon the word. It can be, and I believe some do that. I really do. And some are very disciplined, and I happen to know some, and I know them here too, by the way. But they base their plans on, has God given us the spirit of fear? Fear to a Christian. It's a spirit. 1 John 4.1, try the spirits. Is it about Christ? If it's not, then try the spirit. For has God given us a spirit of fear? Has he? Nope. Geez, I don't know how I'm going to do it this month. You, you, really? No? Oh, so God left that up to you apart from Christ? What do we think Philippians 2.12 and 13 speak about when it says work out your own salvation? That's the plan of God for your salvation in Christ. It's your whole life. You work it out. Well, listen to what it says. Work out your own salvation with what? With reverence. What's that mean? You reverence the word, the opportunity you have to come and hear it, no matter what. And God will make it available when we submit to him, but not until. Not until. You know? I don't know. And and I'm thankful for the ones that, that we do have But I'd be a lot more thankful for a lot more that should show up. And by the way, they have portions and we miss them when they don't. That's a fact. That's an absolute fact. It just is. So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. I got six minutes. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, has he? He's given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit... What? (laughs) He takes the things of Christ and shows them unto us in John 16, 13, and 14. Is there any fear in that? What are the things that we fear? Thoughts that don't come from him. And then we make a plan. You ever notice in that plan who we take care of first? You ever notice that? You ever notice? When we don't have the mind of Christ in Philippians 2 and verse 5, what do we do? Look not on your own things. This is my life. Look not on your own things. This is what I can do and what I can't do. Yeah, I know. Tell me what you don't do for yourself. (laughs) Give me a break. This is true for any of us in the flesh. Philippians 2, 4. Look not on your own things, but on the things of others. Because if you don't esteem them better than yourselves, of a higher value, Philippians 2, 3, you're thinking on yourself. Philippians 2.21, all seek their own, not the things that are Christ's, right? So God puts me in a local assembly, in a, in a body, to function in body life. He did that just, just for me to take care of me, right? <laughs> we take care of each other. In every realm, by the way, oh no, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, because we're no longer natural family. If you don't believe me, read Luke the 8th chapter, start at verse 20 and 21 and go down, and then go in Matthew the 12th chapter, start in verse 46 and go right to verse 50. Jesus Christ, he didn't separate his love, listen to me, for natural family, but he separated himself, severed himself when having relationships with them. You best believe it. Some think, in local assembly, well, we're just to take care of our family. Not, really? 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 No. Your family is spiritual family. Period. Done. Boom. Over. And if God has you to minister to those, yes. But before you take care, what do you think Galatians 6 6 is talking about? 6 6 to 6 to, uh, through verse 10. What do you think that's talking about? and you can say this and you can tell me till the cows come home honestly you don't preach given you don't preach the whole counsel of God that's Acts 20, 27 you don't preach it you don't preach that I'm not ashamed of it at all I am not ashamed to do that period gosh gosh don't go by me go by scores of others go by scores of others God's sakes He's teaching us, teaching us, literally, that his plan, his mind is the plan of that plan, that plan, and he's in control. And when he's not, oh boy, we make different plans. We make different plans. We think differently. But the only plan that we can have outside of Christ, any of us, it's called self-occupation, and we're going to do everything we can to preserve ourselves. And we'll be satisfied, with following Jesus afar off. That's what a lot of, I only, eh, yeah. I only need the word once or twice a week, you know. Yeah, yeah. Matthew 26, 58, you're following Jesus afar off on a hill. You know what the hill is? Self-occupation through self-preservation. I'm going to follow you. I say I love you, but I'm going to follow you afar off. Yeah, okay. Did God, through giving us his son, close the distance between you and I? and him. Did he? Can I ask you then? If he did that for each of us, has he closed the distance to those that are in the local assembly? Has he? Or has something else come in between? Oh boy. This is what makes it necessary in 1 Peter 5.5. You younger, submit yourself to the elders. Okay? Oh, Oh, okay. So if if, if if I don't trust God, you know what I said? I don't trust God for that person. Now, that's what you're saying. When you say, I can't trust that person, all you're saying is, I don't trust God for that person. I trust them to be in control of me. Yeah, really? How does it look? <laughs> yeah, he's really in control of your life? Really? Yeah, to make that your your number one thing. <laughs> For him to be in control of you, because something else will, or someone else will, or there's someone else's desires will control you. And this is 1 Peter 5 6. Humble yourself, and the way I read it was, humble yourself under the exalting hand of God through his might, so that, that by that way and that way only, you cast all your anxious things. And all that anxiety in 1 Peter 5 7 is what the enemy uses to consume you in 1 Peter 5.8, a roaring lion. And how, what does he use for believers? Details of life. Matthew, the sixth chapter. And you know how it starts out? Your father has knows what you have need way more than you do in that chapter, Matthew 6. But you know what it starts out with, that whole chapter? Prayer. Dependence on him. Dependence on him. When I got up this morning... And just say for all of us, was he my first thought? Well, if he wasn't, if he wasn't, that he that has first place, does he have that place in my thinking, even before I start my day? Or was it another plan? Was it? Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy, huh? Well. We need to, we need to, and the only way we can do that is in God's plan, and, and, and trying to, are you going to escape God's plan? You're not going to until he takes you out. You are not taking, you and I are not taking ourselves out of God's plan. That's up to God, because he bought us. We're not our own. Boy, how about thinking with that one? 1 Corinthians six nineteen to and 20. You were bought with a price. You're not your own. So therefore, glorify God in your spirit, soul, and body, which are God's, not your own, because you were bought. And who bought us? He did, God, and love bought us through unbelievable grace. So Father, bless this word and and these thoughts to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.